when you've just faced adversity, of course, it's overwhelming. Like, what if this comeback doesn't work? What if four months down the track, I tear my Achilles again? What if I try to prove to everyone, um, you know, I'm going to do really well and I fall over on the first hurdle? It's There are always doubts, but I think the most important thing is to just every morning just live in the present. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Eloise, I am so excited about today's episode. Me too. We are in for such a treat. We have one of Australia's best female athletes on the show. She is a two-time Olympic finalist. She is a Australian record holder for the 3000 meter steeplechase. She just last year captained the Australian team at the world championships in Doha, but above and beyond everything that she's achieved on the track, uh, she stands out to me as being one of the most resilient and positive role models in, in sport. And she's one of my best friends and I've been lucky enough to share some of our best moments um, together in our sport. And so I'd love to welcome Genevieve Gregson. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I've had a lovely role model to follow. So any stories I have are probably um, all in honour of Eloise Wellings herself. (laughs) I love it. Um, Jenny, how are you? What's what's going on right now? What Tell us about... Tell us about your life right now. Yeah, all is a bit of a jumble, like we were talking about earlier, um, with uh, the schedules kind of changed a little bit now, no idea when next competition is. Um, We've pulled back the intensity, uh, as you know, because you're on a similar schedule. We're just doing two sessions a week, a big long run on Sunday. But uh, Really? You're only doing two sessions? I'm doing five. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, stop it. Yeah, it just, it depends how hard I make those runs, but there's definitely some recovery runs in there in between. But like we said, it's hard to stay on the 9.30, 5.30 schedule. So yeah. um, my run, my running schedule is all over the place right now, but we're getting the work down, uh, in. And um, although I was late to my podcast today, it was because I had a big session this morning, had 11K threshold. Um, hey. And yeah, we're just ticking over the days really and just corresponding with Nick Badeau, my coach. And uh, making sure that, yeah, body, number one key is to keep the body healthy. So um, I've been counting the days, as I do, of how many mm-hmm. days I've put back to back of health. And I'm in a really good place right now. So hopefully, right. um, yeah, I don't lose focus this year and just keep the ball rolling for next year when the Olympics finally come. Yeah. And so what was that like having to, I mean, I know what it was like for me, but what, what was it like for you to have the Olympics be postponed for, for 12 months, something that you'd been shooting for, something that you'd imagined for, you know, the last, I guess we've been imagining this for the last four years and then have yeah. to wait another 12 months. I mean, from an outsider looking in, I'm like, oh my gosh, Genevieve, just she just went and broke the, the tan record. <laughs> She's adapted so quickly. And I mean, yeah one of the key markers of resilience is being able to adapt quickly. And I feel like you've done that really well, but give us your take on that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you probably know this about me, but for those who don't, I'm very goal oriented. I um, usually have to have something to strive towards 
whenever I'm um, working hard, whether it's, you know, trying to work towards health or trying to work towards a certain race. So when the Olympics um, were postponed or even started to be talked about being postponed, like Nick had prepared us, he's kind of said along uh, a span of about two to three weeks, you know, it's not looking good. We just don't see how the Olympics could could still be on with the way the world is right now. Mm. Um, we'd all over the days prepared mentally for the final announcement and um, the week leading into that final announcement was when um, I actually had a really, really good track session. It was a hard one that Nick, I could tell, was trying to test us and there was just carnage all over the track and people were popping and dropping out. And I remember Ryan was a bit banged up, so he was just taking pictures and he just kept like yelling out to me, doing really good, girls. There's carnage everywhere. No one can handle the session. You're doing really well. <laughs> and so I remember just thinking, I'm obviously really fit. Like I, I was handling the times. Um, I felt really strong and, and Nick and I decided that having that tan attempt was just a way of channeling that um, kind of drive that I had leading into the Com uh, sorry, the Olympic game trials that we had a week later. Um, I really felt like I needed to blow off some steam. I was a bit frustrated just because I very rarely get timing right and I felt like I was really putting it all together this year. So the tan record was more um, an outlet for me, I think, uh, just... I knew that after I attempted that, I would probably turn things down a little bit and stop the cross training as intensely, stop all the hard training just to make sure I protected my body from injury. So and for that listeners like, that, that, sorry to interrupt, for listeners that don't know, tell, tell us what the, the tan record is. Yeah, so the tan is um, a very iconic run in Melbourne. It's the Botanical Gardens and it has a dirt uh, trail all the way around it. It's 3.827K. And um, there's the 10 relays. People have raced around it a lot. But as someone that's been living in Melbourne now since 2014, I've never raced the 10. I just know that there's um, a male and female record. And then they have a board at the starting line of the top 10 uh, for male and female. So we just thought, what better opportunity? When would we ever get a chance to run really, really fit around the 10 and smash the record? And so um, Nick organised it all. He got official timekeepers. I had Ryan on the bike. I had Sinead Diver and Sarah Billings um, do the race with me. Sarah took me to a K and Sinead went the whole way. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was just one of those things where you're like, I don't know when the next race is and it could be a really long time if this year. So I'm going to treat this like my Olympic trials. And <laughs> I, I did, I did it super intense. Like oh, there were cameras everywhere, which was a little bit nerve wracking. Cause I was like, if I don't get this, this will be completely humiliating. Um, but it was, yeah, one of those races where I treated it like it was on the track and um, you know, I knew the splits I had to do. I knew, um, like the feeling of the hill at the start. So it was a really fun experience to just let off some steam. And um, after that, I kind of celebrated as if it was a race. I kind of thought I'll let my hair down a little bit now. I'll have an easy week. I'll, you know, eat some burgers and drink some wine and just relax and kind of refocus after that. And then I'll talk to Nick and we'll decide what the next few steps are. So um, mm. it was kind of a, a way of, for me to close the book on the Olympics in 2020 um, and kind of say focus shifts now, um, you know, and, and in a few weeks time, I'll have my head on my shoulders again and ready to work hard and dig deep for a whole nother year. Mm. Jen, that's so, um, so interesting uh, that um, there's sort of two questions I have on that. So 
One is when you're, how do you prepare for something like that? Like how do you get yourself in the headspace to, you know, to have a crack at that record? And then the second question is um, when you, there's this balance, seems to be this balance between like times to really be super focused and, and mm -hmm. um, you describe having your head on your shoulders and then time yeah. to just pull it back slightly. Can you speak yeah. to that as well? So yeah, how do you get in the, yeah. in the zone? So it's actually, it's funny you ask that question because my husband, Ryan, he, um, he laughs at me a little bit, but in the same sense, he thinks that he loves my mentality. I'm an all or nothing person, whereas he is very type A, um, strict discipline, very committed to his job while he's doing it, even if it means all year round where I'm kind of one of those people where I want to pick and choose my moments. Um, I can't stay fully turned on the whole year I do have to work out my calendar and work out when I'm really going to knuckle down and and this is the important time and this is the time I can relax and I kind of go off that um, so preparing for the tan it was I could just put all my focus into it and make it as important as it needs to be for me um, and I can flick that switch but at the same time I can go so intensely like so intense to something knowing that after that I can relax. So I kind of work in these eps and flows of um, really intense versus extremely relaxed. And um, Ryan just says I'm a bull at a gate sometimes, but then I also know how to, <laughs> I really can relax and, and holiday hard. So um, <laughs> I think that allows me to um, compartmentalize really well. And I know that Eloise, she might touch on it later, but she's always said that, you know, when it comes to cross training and, and if I am facing adversity, I can put myself in this sort of zone where, I mean, it, it looks like torture or punishment, but I can cross train for hours on end because I know it's temporary. It's just, I can put my, my mind in a place for a certain amount of time, knowing that it'll all be worth it. And when I uh, get to the end of this, you know, I'll be rewarded. Um, because Ryan, Ryan's always looked at my cross training phases and said, you're absolutely crazy what you do. <laughs> You know, there, there's months in a year now and then where he just doesn't know how I can just turn up to a gym and not leave for four to five hours. But I just, um, I love what I do. And I think that allows me to put in those stints of really, really hard work because it's not like I don't see the reward. I can always see um, the carrot dangling in front of me. And I think that mm. helps me um, put myself through that uh, pain, I guess you can say. Uh, to get to the other end because I do believe every time I get to the other end and I've done it several times it's always worth it I've never done all this work came up the, come out the other side and said oh that wasn't worth it. it it's always been worth it and I constantly remind myself that um, I believe I can achieve anything if I put my mind to it and um, you know mm -hmm. I, I'm I can I can be proud of myself at Doha last year I I honestly went to my room and smiled at myself in the mirror and said you did really good today <laughs> love that. I love that. Like, let's just let's just put a pin in that because it's like that takes a lot to actually do that. I find you know when you're talking about you know working so hard and being so goal oriented and being all in, it sometimes well a lot of the time I think for people they don't allow themselves to have that moment yeah. where they look in the mirror and. Um, you know, smile and acknowledge, celebrate, that. celebrate, yeah. and just see, you know, like yeah. see yourself as, um, and speak to yeah. yourself. Like, a best and friend. I think 
I think as a distance runner, uh, you're exactly right. I think people need to appreciate what your bodies go through more often. Um, you need to celebrate the small wins. We need to be easy on ourselves when it doesn't go to plan. And I'm all about celebrating those little tiny wins, even if it's uh, I'll, sometimes I'll have just an awesome Tuesday session where I walk away and I'm like, wow, I, do, I was so good today. I hit the times. I was even a little bit better. Um, you know, my coach was proud. And, and that might mean tonight I have, you know, a treat or, you know, a really delicious dinner that I've been looking forward to or a glass of wine with it. And it's like a little reward to it. it's like, well done today. Mm. Um, I think distance athletes are so hard on themselves because we're usually very obsessive type A personalities where we're kind of forever trying to better ourselves and always, um, you know, achieve the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. And there's just never that moment where we kind of pull it back and say, hang on a minute, like, there's been a long stretch of small wins here and we haven't acknowledged them. Um, And I do believe that's why people find it hard to last a full season because like I I never want a season to end because I'm rewarding myself along the way. And I'm always um, living in the moment and taking in how amazing every opportunity is. Um, Whereas I do know a lot of athletes that kind of find by the time September, October rolls around, they're exhausted. They want to go on a holiday and, and not put a, pair of shoes on and just completely shut down and block out athletics for a while and I can honestly say I've never felt that way I've never felt like that and so that that mentality right there must have served you so well during this season because you know we we normally um we normally rely on the feedback of racing Mm -hmm. but if you can even peel it back pair it back um without the racing and just celebrate the small wins in training and, you know, gather feedback that you can from that and celebrate those things. And, you know, you could call it be grateful and, you know, that you're, that you're running pain free and you're healthy and forward despite not knowing what it looks like or, you know, the uncertainty of when when you're going to be able to race again. Um, Yeah. Jenny, tell us about, I want to go right back. When did when did you start running and and when did you believe that you could become or when did you want to become a great a great runner? Um well I've been running my whole life ever since I was a little girl. I can't say when I was super young I looked up to elite athletes and thought that's what I want to do, but being um an only girl in a family of uh three boys, um I think I was always kind of bound to turn out to be some sort of athlete one way or another. Um, We were all a year apart. We lived on a farm, 120 acres. So I would just spend every day running around like a wild hooligan with my um, (laughs) hair out, wearing boys' clothes and just um, rough as guts, really. But my youngest brother, he was um, two years below me. So that was the only two-year gap between us. Um, And I just desperately wanted a sister so bad. I would beg my mum to have one more baby and just give me one sister. so when she wasn't going to give me another baby, I just turned Henri, my younger brother, into my little rag doll. And I would dress him up in, you know, girl clothes, put him on the back of my bike and be like, you have to hold on. Like, this is what we're doing today. And I would just ride him around the farm just constantly. Um, or, you know, make him go on running races with me. And I think just the love for being active and being outside um, just organically um, 
was incorporated everything like was just always incorporated in my life and I started off doing little athletics noticed I was definitely better at distance uh over sprints I was a terrible sprinter terrible thrower anything (laughs) to do with field I couldn't do um that evolved into um touch football hockey soccer um I've just played all sorts of sports um but obviously as I got older and um started to really love what I did I started to look up to people like you and Benita um and I just thought, wow, it'd be really cool to one day be in the Olympics or in the Com Games. And that was when I you were five like, and I was 25. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. I remember watching you oh. at Noosa Bolt, Noosa Bolt with your long socks. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's what that I'm going to do. I used to wear... I used to wear long socks um, for touch football for that reason. Had nothing to do with running, but I was is like, Eloise did it. Is that when you first came across Eloise at the Noosa Bolt? Yeah, I went back and looked at the results. I think the first time I ran and it was like 2001 or 2002, but there was a year where I think Sonia O'Sullivan won it and um, I think Georgie Clark was even in the race. But yeah, yeah I would have just been this little uh, whippersnipper just yeah. in awe at the back, slapping around at about 19, <laughs> 20 minutes, just wishing that I could be up with you guys. But um, yeah, that kind of sparked a, a real love for just distance running in general. And I was lucky enough to accept a scholarship to America at the University of Florida, mm-hmm. where I did for really good years of, of um, track running. And that's where I started steeplechase. But it wasn't until 2012 where I realized um, if I really knuckled down, I could get the A qualifier for the steeple. And I mean, that was a, uh, a challenge in itself when I'm trying to get selected on that team, but um, pretty much that, that, us, that was the catalyst. That, that story. Um, yeah. Well, tell us, that's, I mean, you, you qualified hours late, literally hours yeah. late. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, my nationals for NCAAs in America, it was my last race as a college athlete, um, was June 9th. Um, I'm pretty sure the deadline for the Australian team being selected was June 10th. Mm. Um, So I had always just banked on going to nationals. And if I won nationals, which is what I wanted to do, the A qualifier would come hand in hand. Um, And unfortunately it ended up being a super tactical race and I was about 10 seconds short of the A qualifier. So I was gutted then and there, but I had someone come up to me. Um, It was my manager at the time and they just said, would you be interested in having one more crack at the Olympic time? And I was like, yeah, but the date ends tomorrow. Have you got anything in the next 24 hours? And he goes, no, but in two days time, I have a race in Indianapolis. Would you be interested in having a go? And in no way did I think, um, you know, I would be selected if I got the time. I just thought, why not? You know, imagine if I got a time, maybe they would consider it. Um, it's not that much later and um, yeah I flew straight to Indianapolis (laughs) yeah exactly I flew straight to Indianapolis Um, my race was 11 o'clock at night Um, I wrote down on my hand every single 400 meter split that I had to hit to get the A qualifier and it was just one of those races I'm sure you've had before where just it was like clockwork I just hit every split um, to the T and I think I even just in the last lap pulled away a little bit and broke it by three seconds yeah. and did like a nine second PB. So that, that was a really, really just amazing time in my life where I kind of thought for a split second, I'm going to be an Olympian. 
Um, but obviously in the next 24 hours, as you know, things just, well, I thought at the time were crumbling around me. I just got an immediate response from Athletics Australia saying there's absolutely no way we'll be selecting you. The, the date is well and truly over. Um, you know, we just, Sorry, we Jeff, won't be filling that, that spot. <laughs> like that moment right there, you've just run a massive PB. You think, mm -hmm. oh, maybe I'm actually going to be an Olympian. And yeah. then you get that mail. Yeah. What's that moment like for you? It was almost one of those, because um, uh, like I was pretty young too. I was 22 years old. I just thought, of course, like you, it's ne was never going to be that easy. Like I was so amazed with my run and I thought that was super special. But um, when they said no, I was like, oh, that's expected. Like you don't just get to walk on an Olympic team. It doesn't come that easy. And I kind of, took it at first as, oh, what was I thinking? Um, it's a bit <laughs> silly to think you can just turn up late and run fast and they'll take you. But my dad at the time was like, no, 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 this isn't right. Like you've yeah. got the time. There's no one else has it. There's something, there must be something we can do. Yeah. And um, I also in the next day or so just had an influx of people reaching out like through email, through Hotmail, through um, social media, just saying, don't give up. Uh, we, I think this will be overturned. This is outrageous. Um, mm. Just keep doing what you got to do. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll be in this team. Don't worry. I had Nick Bedeau reached out. He wasn't my coach or manager at the time. And he just said, you know, great run. We'll get you in this team. Just hold tight for a minute. Mm. And the next 24 hours were just a social media. Um, just yeah, it was, it was, it was a wave. Um, let Jen run. Let Jen run. And, yeah. um, there were like, yeah, it was on Twitter because I signed up for Twitter purely because someone said, you, like my friend in college said, you're trending on our Twitter even, like in America. <laughs> you need to, you've got your own hashtag, you need to sign up um, and just at least just see what people are saying. Yeah. And it was just so amazing. Like I didn't say, see one negative tweet, not one negative email or message. Mm. My Facebook was going crazy. I think I did like five radio interviews in the next few hours I was on um the morning show I think I was on the project and it was it was really exciting don't get me wrong but I was also faced with these hard-hitting questions like I was put face to face and told um you know why do you think you deserve to be on this team like what have you got to say to Eric Hollingsworth if if you could see him right now and it's pretty scary because in my head I'm like say the right thing say the right thing. <laughs> this your Olympic dream depends on it so it was it was a scary situation to be thrown into but um yeah. at the same time I thought I've got nothing to lose like I, yeah. my college career's ended I'm going home if if nothing else happens um or you can make the olympics and who knows what happens from there you know being an olympian yeah. is is all you ever dream of as a kid so yeah um, it worked out for the best and and i say this to this day it was the catalyst to my career um, yeah. i don't know what would have happened if i didn't make that team um mm. i'm not going to say i would have quit but it just the, the road would have been so much harder yeah um, just just in relation to becoming professional and and trying to support financially the the life that athletes have to live as a distance runner you know it's not easy and um making that olympic team just opened my eyes made me realize where i want to be and, and why and and how hard i got to work to do it and so i mean justice prevailed and you know, the people spoke up and hashtag let jen run and i mean everything was restored and you got to run in your first olympics but mm -hmm. in london um given that you had that you know 
momentary barrier from administrators. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did it affect your confidence at all did, or, or did it strengthen your resolve in terms of I, I belong here? I think in general definitely strengthened my confidence only because I really wanted to prove that I deserved to be there. In mm. moments of weakness and nerves, um, I probably got a bit doubtful and thought, what if, what if I perform the way they thought I would? What if I just completely flunk out and it was like, why did we bring her? What a waste of money. So it, only in moments of weakness did I, did I really panic and think, yeah. oh my gosh, what am I doing here? But um, I think in general, just the weeks leading in being around you and MTC for the first time, um, I got to travel to Ireland with you for, with my, for my first professional race ever where I ran really well. Yeah. Um, there was just a series of events along the way leading into the actual Olympic Games where I thought I'm meant to be here, I deserve to be here. And even if I'm not a superstar now, I think I can be in the future. And mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to prove to them that they made the right decision because we had that media day and, you know, I had to confront Eric Hollingsworth quite a few times and there were a few comments here and there that um, kind of made me feel um, like, you know, maybe he believed this decision still wasn't the right one, but I just thought, mm-hmm. I know I can run well and um, I'll prove it to you out there. And yeah. it wasn't just that that year that I wanted to prove it. I wanted to keep turning up every year. and mm-hmm. I mean seven to eight years later uh, I got to go to Doha and captain the team and I just felt like yes smiling and, and saying on. it's good to be here it's yeah. good to be the captain <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind it yeah um, yeah so that's gold and what what stands out to me in what you just described Jen is that your self-talk seemed to change mm. like something mm-hmm. shifted where you actually said like nah I'm I'm gonna prove a point like I belong here and tell us about like what is healthy self-talk for you and, and where yeah. did it come from? I, Rory, I actually do self-talk in everything. Like I will, so at the moment I'm doing a lot of training on my own and it's mm-hmm. actually really funny. And I told Ryan I do this and he probably thinks I'm a little bit crazy, but if I'm doing a really hard session and I'm completely on my own, I will talk out loud to myself and mm-hmm. I pretend that I have the girls there with me. I pretend I'm there with a group. So yeah. if I'm trying to do, I remember I was in Spain um, last year and no one had arrived yet. It was just Ryan and I there. I think it was two years ago, actually, 2018. And Nick had said, um, I want you to go do six by 800 meter hills. And I was like, oh, that is the hardest session in the world to do on your own because it's, it's just mm. gut running. It's so tough. Me and Eloise has had some classic hill sessions, but... <laughs> Um, it was one of those things where it's like, it does require a lot of mental strength to get the most out of it. Obviously I could just turn up, run up the hill six times and, Mm. you know, walk away thinking, yeah, tick that box. But I wanted to get quality out of it. So I actually pretended that I had Camille, that I had Andrea, that Eloise was there, that Susan was there, like all these Mm. girls that I train with, um, throughout the year. And I pretended in my head that, I would take the first rep. Then I'd for the second and third rep, I'd be like, okay, girls, I'm going to sit in here and just relax a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, no one's there, by the way. Like, this is, <laughs> this is awesome. And then like on the, on the fourth rep, I was like, I got this girl. I'll take this one. And it's like, I completely trick myself in yes. every, like it is absolutely crazy. I know it sounds like that, but I do it in everything. I do it if I'm on the elliptical and I'm injured and I'm, I've got 10 minutes to go when it's like, okay, I've got 10 minutes to go. This is, um, this is going to be ten, the last 10 minutes of a 5k. 
And I completely imagine myself in the race on the track, looking, mm. seeing the clock, seeing the, ca- the lap counter, seeing the girls around me. Um, when I see that the clock has three minutes to go, I imagine I'm now in my last K. And mm. it's just a way of not just passing time, but also keeping every minute quality. It just mm. makes the work um, so much more quality. You're also practicing um, visualization, which I think mm. is so important in our sport. And I just have this kind of mentality in the sense that if you're going to work hard, you might as well make every minute worth it. What's the point of going on an elliptical for an hour and, and 20 minutes of it was a bit of a waste of time. It's like, yeah. you should have done 40 minutes. Like you could save so much time. So if I'm going to, yeah, if I'm going to go do um, a session or a cross training uh, pool run or elliptical or altergy or whatever, I want to make sure that every minute I'm on there putting myself through that punishment, it's quality. Um, mm. I don't want to waste time. And mm. that's not hard for me because, like I said, I love what I do and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to live the life that I get to live. So it's not hard to put myself in that mentality, but I talk to myself constantly. And mm. I always have. I, I really believe that's something that I've probably done since I was young, but I've definitely noticed it more in my professional career. It's mm. um, it's so important. I think it's, it's just the mind kind of um, motivating the body to keep going. Yeah. Wow. That's, I love, it. I love the, the clarity, the clarity of, of that. And, you know, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's super healthy and powerful yeah. because, yeah. you know, like this, the, this story that we choose to kind of pay attention to and tell ourselves mm-hmm. is, you know, what in many ways determines our experience. And it, it sounds like you use, you choose very selectively what you're going to say to yourself mm-hmm. and based yeah. on what you, what the purpose of, what you're doing is right and yeah i think that's something that we can all kind of learn about well actually what do you want this to be what why are you on this yeah. or on the cross trainer mm-hmm. and what experience yeah. You have? yeah exactly i think everything needs um you need to know the purpose of what you're doing if you just if you're out on a run and you're just hating it and and you're not motivated and you feel like you're just getting nothing out of it um it's hard to keep going because you're kind of questioning why you're even out there but mm-hmm. If you go out there with intention and you get, you want every minute to count and you really want to push yourself, it's so easy to stay motivated. And that's why, like, anytime someone asks me for advice for, even if it's for young kids versus old, just my only advice is make the, the culture you're in, your training environment, make it fun and enjoyable. Because if you were out there and hate it, how is it sustainable? How yeah. is this something that you're going to do day in and day out if you don't even enjoy it? So I love that. It's mm. have buddies with you or yeah. yeah, like enjoy it. Or if you're just trying to get fitter or lose weight, do it with a buddy that you love to chat with for, you know, 30 minutes on end. If you're going out for walks together, it yeah. has to be enjoyable to remain sustainable. And mm. with me, training is hard. It's really hard. Our job is hard, but it's so fun. I've made yeah. it fun whether it's with ryan or the girls i love i love it yeah you know how fun is when we go out for a long run or how fun is our warm-ups before a six by 800 where we love (laughs) hysterically and someone's breathing or like it's it's a fun group one thing that's really struck me is observing your relationship with eloise is you know that you're as good of friends and and supporters of each other as as you'll find but you're actually competing a lot in the same event and you know like yeah. could you speak about how you view you know 
competition because it sounds like you, you know there's this really nice mix of friendship and also yeah. competing no and and rory with us i think it's so important um i can't speak for uh, the, the males and their competition but for females um i find that i train and race best with people that i really get along with well and um like i said eloise has been someone that i've always been looking up to and following in the footsteps of everything she's done and anytime we've been on a training camp together and especially in a race together i've honestly either pb'd or done something phenomenal um and rio is an example of that but i think that's exactly what you're saying it just creates this um culture in the sense that running is so hard and if I'm in a race and um, it happened in Rio, if you're running and you're kind of just a bit anxious, you're a bit uptight, you kind of got people like hitting your feet or like sending you an elbow on the side. If you look across and realize, oh, thank goodness, it's Eloise. Like <laughs> I can like, immediately relax because I know that she's not out to get me. I'm not out to get her. Of course, we want to do as well as we can individually, but yep. it's this feeling of like you've got a teammate out there that, in your moment of weakness, she could help you. Yeah, it feels like you've got an ally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, that you're talking about the the fight. I mean, all the races that we did in Rio yeah. and every race that we've run together, but um, specifically I remember running the heat, the first round of the 5,000 yeah. metres in Rio, and I was boxed yeah. in, and we yeah. knew what time we had to run to make the final. Yeah. And yeah. I was boxed in, and the pace started to slow. And I remember we were coming up to, to two laps to go, 800 metres to go, and I was starting to panic. I'm thinking it's slowing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm in a group full. I'm looking around me. I'm like, I'm in a group full of kickers. Um, I need to make, you know, I need to make the time. Yeah. And just out of my periphery vision, like just mm-hmm. to my right, I see this blonde <laughs> ponytail squishing away. Flicking around, and holding on for I, dear life. I'd, I'd seen it for the last two months. Because um, we'd been training together and never had I been more happy to see your Rapunzel hair. <laughs> yeah. I still remember it because I, you were boxed with energy to get going. I was like, there's Eloise, just don't let her go. Just hold this up. Like I was tired, but I'll never forget. She gave me extra energy somehow. Like that's how strong the mind is. She just turned to me and she says, Jenny, we got to go. Like we had... Um, a K to go just under a K it was like 900 meters she's like we have to get going and it was like she said the pace was slowing all we had to do was run 70s for the last two laps and we'd get in on time mm. um, and I just thought she's right we've got to go she's stuck I've got to go and open it all up and I did I just went straight to the front Eloise followed and we just strung everyone out yeah. and just I just remember just thinking, don't even look at the clock, just run as hard as you can and just hope yeah. the line comes soon. And <laughs> I mean, I mean, every single person that could kicked around me in the final straight, but I got in on time. And if yeah. it wasn't for Eloise turning to me and telling me to get the pace going, they would all still outkick me and I wouldn't have made the, t- uh, made the final. And it's just moments like that where you think you're done. You, you're pretty much saying, I need the finish line to come now. My legs have had it. My body is, mm-hmm. is at its absolute, um, you know, max. And somehow I was able to still pick up the pace, go to the front and string out the front pack that I wouldn't have done if she wasn't in that race. So it's so important. I think it's really important. And to, to try not to just see people as enemies. Like I I have a lot of international friends, uh, girls that I race on again, the biggest stage in the world, but in a, in the call room, 
Um, I'll make sure that I'm really relaxed around them, that we giggle, we laugh, we make jokes. I'll warm down with them afterwards. Um, yes, in the race, I'm going to try beat them. I'm going to try beat anyone in a race with me. But mm-hmm. um, I, I hate hostility. I don't ever want to feel like someone is out to get me and, and vice versa. And it just gives you more energy if you can feel at peace with, with everyone you're racing or um, have a teammate where you've almost mm-hmm. got a connection and, and can bounce off each other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. It's just like, you know, it, I, I think it's such a, a powerful reminder just actually that we're better together. And like, yeah. you know, a rising tide floats all boats, you know, that <laughs> yeah. actually it's not oh, about knocking Rory. someone down um, <laughs> to feel like you're, you know, um, you're you know, better or whatever. It's actually like, let's work together to see yeah. what we're capable of. Mm. And exactly. You know, that's and and something else you said is so gets to the heart of what this podcast is all about and that is in that moment when you had 900 meters to go you felt like i'm done then Eloise looks at you and and says we've got to go and you find something that you didn't know you had like Mm -hmm. to me that just says so much about our potential and how you know how we don't we, we impose limits probably on ourselves, but we're capable of so much more. But often it takes something bigger than ourselves to unlock that. Mm. Um, would you be yeah, able to No, that's exactly it. The power of um, the power of purpose. Like what is purpose yeah. to you? And like where do, where does it come from and how does it fuel you? Yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying earlier. Um, if you're kind of like, we'll just use an example of Sam in a race and, um, I might even use like Birmingham as an example where I was trying to get the Rio qualifier. Um, I'd been trying to chase it all year in the 5k and I'd raced four or five 5ks and not even got close. I think I just kept running 1540 over and over again. And it almost felt like there was this barrier of 1540 in front of me and it didn't matter how hard I tried, I was never going to break it. Mm. Um, and then I finally got into a race with a teammate it was Eloise um I got in last minute I was meant to pace the Diamond League uh in Birmingham this 5k and uh last minute Nick said oh they're letting you race it Eloise is in it you know it'll be a good opportunity and it was again one of those things where I went in and I let go of that um burden hanging over me where it's like chase the chime like chase the time, chase the time, like you have to get it. Uh, And I just decided I'm just going to run and I'm going to follow Eloise and I'm just going to, if the pace slows, I'm going to slow with it. If it increases, I'm going to try hold on. And I took away the pressure of trying to uh, go out there with um, just that one goal that was heavily weighted on me. And I just decided I'm just going to race the girls out there and try to feel good about it. And I mean, we, we still missed the time, but we got very close, but, um, it's funny because if you watch the footage, I was just another athlete. I had so much energy. I had so much um, like get go in me and every now and then on a bend, I would peel out like I was going to go and then I would tuck back in and I was like, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> and then I would like stay behind Eloise and then I'd peel out and I was like, no, 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 no not yet, not yet. <laughs> and it was just like, I was, I just had so much more energy. I wasn't fitter. I hadn't necessarily had more training in the legs. I wasn't even that much more experienced. It was, I just ran relaxed. I, I kind of took in that, um, you know, you've got to enjoy the process. If you're highly strung, staring at the clock, um, you're almost frustrated at yourself if, if a lap slows down and you're like, oh, no, we've slowed it. We're off pace now. We've got to get going. Um, I've had some of my best races where I go in with the intention of 
I'm happy to be here and I'm just going to go with the pace and I'll just be competitive at the end and see what I can do. Mm. And I think that's with anything you do. If you go into a training session where you're like, I'm going to smash this, I'm going to make sure that whatever split that I'm meant to do, I'm going to be a second under it. And, um, you know, you just, you get really uptight and Mm. almost frustrated at yourself when things might not go exactly to plan. Mm. And, and that's not where the good days are going to come from. The good days are going to come from when you go in with a different sort of purpose yeah and and you're relaxed and you enjoy it and um you're feeling good and then you're even kind of going along you're like wow that was easy like maybe i can go a bit faster because i'm feeling so good and um i think i do that now more than often and that's the difference i think as me as an athlete now versus the one that was coming through the ranks is i can get so much more out of my body now just from my mind and i got a lot of inspiration watching that um, michael jordan documentary that was just released because he said the same thing he goes I'm nowhere as agile and and um I don't bounce back as quick and I'm not jumping around like I did when I was in the team in 93 but um you know like years down the track when he's older and he technically should be a bit more banged up and he's got injuries coming out of the woodworks he just said his mind was that much stronger and more resilient and, and approached games differently he could get so much more out of his body and um that's how I am now. I may be older. I may have been through the ringer when it comes to injuries, but I can get so much out of my body uh, just by changing my mindset going into races and sessions. And mm-hmm. I do believe I still have so much more to give purely for that reason. Like mm-hmm. I can really get a lot out with just how I think now. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And like perfect perfect segue to a, a theme that we are keen to talk with you about um is on resilience and, yeah you know did you want to um yeah i mean res- jenny like you're one of the most resilient humans that i know and my my definition of resilience is you know a person that no sooner have they been knocked down they're making a plan for a comeback and that's who you are that's what you do that's what we've seen time and time again um tell us how you do that tell for people yeah. that you know i mean and there's hopefully not just athletes listening to this yeah. there's you know there's people that have may have lost their job during this time yeah. of covid and going through challenging times in their life um, whether it be mm-hmm. work or family or their sport um h- how do you bounce back yeah i think And uh, I mean, I I feel like I talk about him a lot, but I credit this all to my husband, Ryan. Um, I had a really clean run as a kid and um, all through college. So to get to my first Olympics, I can't say I had any real, real terrible adversity where you kind of sit there and you cry for days and you question what you're doing. I had a really smooth run and it wasn't until 2013 um, when we're talking just athletic space where I had my first setback and it was when I broke my ankle in a race, um, as my first year on the circuit as a pro. And that in itself wasn't that hard to deal with because I I could put it all in perspective really easily and say, you've had a pretty good run until now. This is terrible timing. You know, you'll have to miss the world championships, but, um, there's a lot worse that could have happened to you before now. So let's just cross train, get back on track and, and look for com games next year. Um, It wasn't until kind of after that one injury, it just started to be injury after injury after injury. And it was like every time I felt like I was getting going again, another injury would strike me down. And um, 
I had Ryan who had, it had the same had happened to him as a, a 19, 20 year old. He broke the Australian record. And the day he broke the record, he woke up the next morning with a broken navicular and, um, you know, missed com games and missed all the races that he had planned. Mm. And he, he explained it to me back in 2000, 2013 he just said look there are going to be times probably more often than not where you're going to feel like you know the ground has come from under your feet and um you were least expecting it just like he did but um the more you can learn about let more about your body and and correct the the faults and not make the same mistake over and over again um the better you're going to be as an athlete and the more longevity you'll have as an athlete um we do believe that injuries happening to you at a younger age make your career longer because you learn how to fix them as you go on. But I think where I really found um, uh, my mental strength was 2019. So just last year, um, I once again, uh, I went to pace Zatapec just because I love to pace Zatapec. I love to help out my teammates. I, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite things to do. Um, I got to the 5k mark, stepped off the track, wasn't too, didn't feel my Achilles at all really, but it wasn't until a few minutes later where I tried to warm down and I honestly couldn't put my foot on the ground. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a few days later I attempted to run again. Then I started doing the typical take as many anti-inflammatories as you can and just see how much pain you could mask. And I probably ran on it for two weeks and then got to a point where I was like, I can't physically move without agonizing pain. Something's up. Um, and it turned out I'd kind of torn the insertion. I have Haglund's, so it means I have bursitis and the bone rubs on the tendon. And it was just a whole mess of, a, of an injury. And I sat down with the doctors and I just said, okay, um, what do we do here? Uh, I've got, I've still got a while to the world champs. It's not till October. Um, more importantly, the Olympics is the following year. You know, how, how should we go about this? And I'll never forget it. I had the email from a doctor and a phone call that just said, you really need to um, consider stopping uh, mm. athletics. I think it's just got to a point, your heel is a mess and it's, and it's more of a growth defect. It's not because I had really bony heels. It wasn't necessarily an injury that you just heal. It's mm. something that's there forever. And unless I got really invasive surgery and shave my heel off, um, you know, it wasn't going to be something that was a quick fix. And I just, I took time then. I really like kind of didn't even respond to the email, cried myself probably to sleep for a few nights in a row, listened to Ryan, um, you know, try to tell me everything was going to be okay. But I did go to that dark place where you're like, no more, you know, European, European tours, no more racing, no more going to the Olympics on it. And I kind of really took it all in as, as the worst possible way. You know, you, you poor me, poor me, everything's the worst it could possibly be. But Ryan kind of sat me down and he just said, I know this feels like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, but what's the alternative? You either quit now and you go get a job, you have a baby, you <laughs> do whatever you want to do, but what is the alternative? You give up running and then you go find another path. And I was like, but I don't want to give up running. And he goes, well, that's the answer. He's like, if you don't want to give up, then you've got to just ignore the doctors and try do what you think's best to fix your foot and yeah. just and it may take time and it may mean this whole year's gone but if mm. you want to go to the olympics and you believe you still could and you think that there's a chance even if it's five percent um you know that's going to have to come from you and and that's what i did i responded to the doctors and i said thanks 
for your info, but I will be continuing on my pursuit athletics. To, to, to athletics. And um, they just, they, he came back and he just said, well, what are you considering surgery? Like, what do you want to do? And I said, no, I'm going to rest and I won't stop running. Uh, I won't start running until I feel like it is completely disappeared for good. And mm. again, that took way longer than I thought. It ended up being um, 16 weeks before I felt like I could maybe jog on the spot with no pain. Mm. And I just, I didn't do a thing for 16 weeks other than sit on a bike and pedal for two hours every day, day in, day out. But it wasn't hard training. It was just read a book and pedal, listen to a podcast and pedal. But it was, it was, I needed to do something to make me feel like I was still moving forward. Mm. And um, I just babied my Achilles, made sure I didn't touch it. And yeah, after that, I created my own comeback schedule. I wrote it as conservative as possible. It was like two minute run, day off, three minute run, day off. And <laughs> it was very baby steps, but it was all in my mind that I've spent my life people telling me you, you need to stop. When I broke my ankle, they said, you're, you need to pin it. Otherwise you'll never run again. I broke my back in, um, 10th grade. They told me I wouldn't run again. Like they you just always hearing the worst outcome. And at the end of the day, the only question that I needed to ask myself to, to fight through all that comeback was what's the alternative. The alternative was to give up running and to never, um, fulfill what I thought I still had to do for the rest of my career. And that was enough. Like that was as simple as it was. If you're facing adversity and, and you feel like you're at your absolute rock bottom, the only question you need to ask yourself is what is the alternative giving up and just finding another route or just persisting and just knowing that it might be a horrible long road back, but it's the direction you want to go. And for me, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom giving up running and I wasn't ready for it. So even if it didn't work, I had to give it another try so mm. that I could at least be at peace with, you know, what journey I had to take. And for me, luckily I did it very conservatively and at the um, world champs in Doha, that's why I went back to my room and said, well done to the mirror. I, <laughs> I was so proud of that journey because yeah. it was, I remember Ryan called me, he was on a plane in the air. He watched it in the air coming from Madrid to Doha and he called me in the air somehow. <laughs> and he just said, you should write a book and sell it because you just have a cheat code of how to get to, um, you know, the world champs with the worst lead up in the world. But <laughs> it wasn't, it was just a different way. Yeah, I it, still worked hard. My yeah, heart did as exactly. many Ks as anyone on land. Yeah. It's just, I had to do it a different way. And um, it just made me think there's nothing in any facet of life that I believe will stop me. Um, after getting through last year's um, series of events because I just felt like um, I was at rock bottom and I was so close to giving away something that I love more than, more than a lot of things in this life. But um, I didn't want the alternative. And mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah, the key is, is what, what are you going to do if, if the thing you love most is taken away and most of the time people will fight for it. Mm. Mm. Wow. Jen, are you ready for Rory's rap? Yeah, I'm ready for Rory's rap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know what Rory's rap is. <laughs> that's where I rap your story. No, yeah, I don't. He does. Um, oh, yeah, I was like, well. <laughs> Firstly, you know, thank you for sharing so honestly your experience. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite like speechless about um, the journey you've been on even in the last 12 months mm. um, to become... Yeah 
who you are and you know what you really exemplify i think is the power of our own choices to mm. choose you know to choose mm. how we want to be you know how we want to respond something happens it doesn't go the way we want it to go or we get um voices from the outside telling us what you know what the future is going to be but within that we actually have a choice as to mm -hmm. how what what path we're going to follow and how we're going to respond and i think the way that you constantly choose to respond with positivity and mm. optimism about hold on what if there's a five percent chance that yeah. it could go right what if yeah. like, and and even if you're doing something difficult it's like how can i bring joy to this mm. you know i think you really yeah. show us the power of our own to take responsibility for our own yeah. way that we show up into anything mm -hmm. whether it's adversity whether it's a difficult um, a difficult session and if we're pursuing something with purpose as you are exploring your potential and exploring that potential with others choosing how you show how you what you bring to that what attitude you bring what energy you bring to any situation I think is is such a valuable lesson for us all to reflect on okay how what do I want to be known for like do, yeah. what type of person do I want to be known as and how i respond when things are hard mm, and i yeah. think you know your experiences and and the choices you've made over and over again to um become who you are today have all been about like oh i i now nah, i'm going to choose to bring light and joy and and, and mm -hmm. hope to this mm -hmm. and um yeah. you know for for anyone like so much more is possible if you take responsibility exactly. how you show up right and yeah. living testament to that yeah. um and also the power of the power of doing it in deep relationship with others mm. you know it's not yeah it's not you're not doing this in a bubble you're not exploring your potential in a bubble by yourself you're actually giving as much life and and um giving as much to the people around you as you pursue your purpose and what's mm. possible for you and you know i think you know my hope um, for people listening to this is that they reflect on actually how can just by being fully me, can I, um, can I make life better for the people around me as I explore my potential? Because it's not, yeah. it's not an either or, you know, it's not yeah. my potential or helping others. It's no, like, they go hand in hand. Yeah. And so thanks for, um, thanks for shining the light on that so clearly. And, yeah. And, um, so good. Yeah, well, Rory, Rory rap was way better than you trying to rap a summary. <laughs> that was really impressive. Thank you. Man. I liked Rory's rap. And the thing I didn't say in Rory's rap, Jen, I think is is so important in all of this is the power of just being fully in the moment that we're in. Like, mm. I feel like that's such a such a strength of yours. Yeah. Is to just okay. Here I am. I'm gonna be yeah. Here. Yeah. And you know that, exactly. And and that's what I say to people, Rory. Like facing adversity, obviously, is is scary and i'm not going to say that i just take it head on and i'm like yeah let's go there are always moments of weakness where i do let my guard down and and only ryan will probably get to see me really really upset and comprehend news or mm -hmm. deal with um the immediate um you know future or part of adversity but i think what i do really well is 
if I look too far into the future when you've just faced adversity, of course, it's overwhelming. Like, what if this comeback doesn't work? What if four months down the track, I tear my Achilles again? What if I try to prove to everyone, um, you know, I'm going to do really well and I fall over on the first hurdle? It's There are always doubts, but I think the most important thing is to just every morning just live in the present. It's like, I'm living for this week. And that's what I did with my comeback. I only wrote a week at a time. Mm. So it's like, what's happening this week? What's our goal for next week? And then so on and so forth. So it's all about just, yeah, not getting overwhelmed or anxious about too far in front of you because things change rapidly as we all know from this year, but um, things are forever changing. You're learning along the way and you need to just be more in the present than, than try to predict the future and, and yeah. control the uncontrollables. So, yeah. and, and like, you know, you, you evidently trust yourself to respond. And you yes, know, like if you're, if I'm fully present, I trust myself to respond. And yeah. mechanically, I think you do that with how you speak to yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I know how I, how to speak to myself to coach myself through whatever yeah. happens next. Mm. And I think yeah, exactly. Fun such a powerful no. thing to think about no that is so true well thanks guys i really appreciate it it's always Thank enjoyable you. telling stories yes um, with you too because i feel like half of them are with you <laughs> <laughs> awesome so fun. thanks jen and look forward no worries to, look forward to running with you soon